Are you encouraged that God can work with you? If he can work with these people, he can work with you. And it's amazing, God's redemption, that God takes people, humans' darkness and turns it into light. And that's something we have looked at in our, in our small group. Even though each person is responsible for their very poor decisions, in some, some cases very poor decisions, God weaves those things together and allows his purposes to come out of even the darkest places. And that should be an encouragement to all of us in our, in our family systems. Um, you know, we have, all, we have all kinds of brokenness in our lives. Even us pretty dressed up for Sunday morning families here or people here, you know, we, we have things that we're dealing with. I have things I'm dealing with. And God is big enough to, to handle those things. His grace is enough. It's all by grace. God's gift. So that's it. We made it through the whole book of Genesis this past week, which is really cool. So thank you for sticking with us. Uh, we're still continuing through Mission 119 and reading through the Bible in just under two years. It's a great time to jump in. I say that every week because I believe it every week. But especially this week because we're starting the Gospel of Luke on Monday. So we've, we've read this narrative of the Old Testament and, and all this stuff. And this week we're going to be jumping into the New Testament, looking at the birth of Christ it looks as though we're going to be celebrating Easter early or right on time as, as we read through the book. So it's really cool, the timing of it all. And as you're preparing your heart to, to meet with God in a special way this Easter season when we celebrate the resurrection of, of Jesus, the culmination of God's promise plan uh, to us, um, this is a great way to prepare your heart for, for that. Um, so please um, hop in. Uh, go to mission119.org, sign up. It's free. They give you readings each day and then a commentary from Pastor Soper. It takes about 15 to 20 minutes each day to do this, and it's, it's a very beneficial activity. We've had so many good conversations in our households and in our, uh, in our friend groups through this. So we had quite an interesting week in the Detweiler house. Number one, yes, the baby could come at any time, so that's always happening, and Jackie's feeling yeah, under the weather a little bit from that. And then we had... Uh, sickness strike our house with a vengeance. So like Wednesday, Thursday, you know, the kids were all sick and it was just one after the other all night long stuff. And then we had that huge snowstorm on Friday. So this week has been kind of a crazy week. Has anyone else had a crazy week? Awesome. <laughs> and it was crazy. Now our, our kids are all well. Cohen's, uh, Cohen's a little bit under the weather, but all the other kids have been, been doing well for the last couple days. But it's been a wild week. And I, I texted Jackie and she said, I'm so sorry I can't come in uh, to service this week. And she said, but if, it's, if the sermon's recorded, you know, I'll listen to it on the website. And I said, uh, well, I don't know if there's going to be much of a message this week. It's been pretty busy. She goes, you should just tell the people, I got nothing, and just stand there. <laughs> Which I thought was kind of funny. Hey, we're all human, right up to the pastor, right? Who's on a fake pedestal. Um, but I do have a word for this week, which is really exciting, that I really feel that God has inspired me with. It's something I've been reflecting on we did read through in Hebrews 11 this week about faith. It talks about faith. And, uh, and it covers most of the most important people in Genesis talking about what faith looks like in each of their lives. And I've been thinking about uh, this idea of faith and praying to God for, for understanding. And I hope that today we can just take a look at what is this characteristic of faith that defines us as Christians? Now, Christian faith, not just, not just faith as defined by, by the world, but what does it look like in our own lives, and uh, how can we know if we have it? So today is meant to be a reflective time to think about faith. So in the dictionary, there's a pretty good definition of faith. Uh, it says, 
Faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Faith is defined as complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And then we see in Hebrews another definition of faith, which Paul is going to pull up on the big board for us. This is taken from Hebrews 11, verses 1, and then 1 and 2, and then 6. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Think about that. Faith is the confidence of what we hope for in Christ, in God, and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is directly linked to, of course, our salvation. The Bible says that the work of, when some people came up to Jesus and asked him what the work was that God was requiring of people, he said, the work is this, to believe in the one that God sent to believe in Jesus, to have faith in Jesus, to have complete trust and confidence in Jesus. So, we, so in, the, in the Christian faith, we hope for salvation. We hope for provision. Uh, and faith is the confidence of what we hope for in Christ and the assurance that we feel of the thing that we do not necessarily see. And this is what the ancients were commended for. And faith is so important. Without it, it's impossible to please God. Because as a baseline, you must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Later, uh, Jesus says in Luke 18.8 about faith, uh, talking about the end uh, when Jesus comes. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on this earth? So it seems like a really important concept and something we should all have some understanding about. And first of all, faith uh, for us as a very rudimentary, like, foundational thing has to do with our, our salvation. It says in the Bible, by grace you have been saved by the gift of God, not by your works, so that no one can boast. It is not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. You can't be a good enough person to be saved. It's only through faith in the only one that was good enough, Jesus Christ himself, God in the flesh, and his substitutionary death on the cross, he died in our place, when we have faith in his sacrifice, the Bible says we are saved by the gift of God. Faith is a big deal, really foundational. A lot of what uh, religion amounts to these days is, and, and you know, most, pretty much, Christianity is fairly unique in its claims about it being by faith alone. But most faiths have something that you need to do. You need to do something to earn a salvation or to earn an enlightenment or whatever it might be. In Christianity, we say, no, it's a gift of God that we receive through faith. And in that beautiful foundation that we have, the great built-in piece of that is, so no one can boast. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation, it creates this level playing field. There's no better or worse people out there. You know, like, we don't classify people the way the world classifies people, saying, oh, this is a good person, this is a horrible person. We, we, we look at this level playing field that Jesus' grace has created. No one's earned any of this. It's all a gift. And it makes, for, for those who receive this gift of salvation, it's profoundly humbling. It's profoundly, it makes you treat people 
Believing this deeply causes you to treat people differently and give them the same grace that you've been given by God. If God loved me while I was dead in my sin and while I was his enemy, who am I to, to not love other people? Even people that are, that are called unlovable by society. Um, who am I to do that? Receive this gift, and the, the overflow is love. Uh, Jesus says a really interesting thing. He said, he or she that has been, been forgiven much loves much. He or she that's been forgiven little loves little. And the, the interesting correlation there is, of course, everyone's equally needed forgiveness, but people have different levels of understanding their need for that forgiveness. So the people that really understand, you know, I needed, I needed God's grace in the beginning, and I need it still, uh, they, they tend to have a lot of love in their hearts because that judgment, that looking down on other people, is just washed away in the grace of Jesus Christ. If people really lived by grace through faith, the whole world would be different. Certainly the church needs to take to heart uh, this, this message uh, because we are supposed to be the light of Jesus to the world and share this, this beautiful message of grace through faith. So at its bottom, faith is about salvation. And it's not of ourselves, it's a gift. Nothing that we earn. We often... Uh, live in a partial definition of faith, something that I call situational faith. And this is really good stuff, and the Bible teaches us to have this kind of faith. Um, so what do I mean by situational? It means trusting in God when we don't know where the provision is going to come from, with our electricity, uh, with some kind of bill that we have, with, with food and basic needs and clothing. Situational faith is saying, you know, I trust God to take care of these things. Uh, situational faith is Trust in God with a child's safety. Maybe, uh, like we talked about this morning, there, there's a, a teenager who seems like they're, they're not listening to me anymore and they're off. I don't know what they're doing. Trust in God with that and, and, and asking him for his help. Uh, trust in God with the situation of, of health issues that come upon us. We often talk about this kind of faith. And this is a kind of faith that the Bible commends, trusting in the loving Father to take care of us. In Philippians 4, 6 to 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything. It's very exhaustive. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In the situation of anxiety, in, in situations of worry, the Bible says, present these things to God. And the peace of God will come upon you, and God will so one way or another, even if it's not how you expected, he's going to take care of things. Uh, Jesus encourages, likewise, in Matthew 6. I'm going to read this whole section. Maybe this is something, maybe this is God's word to you today. Because we are a very anxious people. We really are. From the person I see in the mirror in the morning, to the people I talk to throughout my day, we, we have a lot of anxiety. Jesus says, talking of situational faith, Trust in God with those situations. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? 
See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans, the unbelievers who don't know God, run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That picture of, of in every situation, uh, having faith in God to provide is, is a, uh, was, was lived out in the story of the Exodus, which we're going to read together, where God said to the people, I'm providing uh, manna for you people, this bread from heaven every day, but don't save it because the next day it's going to be spoiled. You know, each day's provision is provided by the Father. So we're not supposed to, to, to worry about that. So that's trusting God with every situation is often what we talk about in church when we're going into worship times and we're in sermons. And that's a beautiful aspect of faith. Trusting God with our salvation, that's a foundational thing. And that's like the, <laughs> the, uh, the ultimate, uh, the ultimate uh, placement of faith in Christianity. But faith is also believing in and trusting in God's views of morality. God's views on things that are acceptable in the society we live in, and even acceptable in the church, but God says, these are not actually okay with me. Faith is also believing and trusting that God and his preferences for our lives as revealed in Scripture even as he's revealed these preferences to us as individuals, the Bible talks about how God will give, make some things allowable for some people, and for other people they're not allowable, and you need to follow that inner voice of the Holy Spirit in your own life. Those prophetic words. We need to think about faith as also encompassing God's thoughts on every aspect of our lives. Some of those things are revealed in the Scripture. I mean, it's exhaustive. There's so much in the Bible uh, to, to learn about God's thoughts on things. And some of it's revealed through our own conscience, where God is saying to us through, through the inner voice in our mind and our hearts, not for you. This is the way, walk in it, not that way. And sometimes I think those are the hardest ones to follow because you look around you and other people are, have freedoms to do these certain things and you think to yourself, yeah, I know I shouldn't, but everyone's do, doing it, so uh, I don't want to look like the weak one. But faith also includes God's morality, God's thoughts on things. And this is a way of saying, I believe that ultimately God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And God's ways are higher than my ways. He sees things that I don't see. God's opinions are different than my opinions on certain issues. Like, I, I have some deep seat. Yeah, you can go ahead and laugh, but I, I have some things that I sort of, like, struggle with that God has a sure word about, but for me, it's, it's hard. But I submit to God's opinion on it because I believe God is higher than me, a higher authority. And I believe that God, if something's not clear to me, it says in the scripture that oh, God will make it clear. You know? So there's certain things that even I struggle with that I think, uh, you know, this is hard for me to, to, to figure out, but God has a solid word on it. So through faith, I follow my understanding of what God's word and thoughts are on this thing. And I believe that God will make that clear to me. 
So this is, this is an aspect of faith. Again, you can't earn your salvation by lining yourself up with God's thoughts, which are higher than yours, or the Scripture. You can't earn your salvation that way. But you can live in such a way that you can please God and live in such a way that when Jesus comes back, he finds faith in you. You know, that rhetorical question of Jesus, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on, faith on the earth? Well, if he finds people that believe and trust in God who they don't see uh, and believe his ways are higher than their ways and follow him and believe him and trust him. Faith is believing God and believing that he rewards those who earnestly seek after him, which means seeking after his mind on everything that we come into contact with in our lives. What is your opinion and thoughts on this, God? How can I live in line with that? And, and who, someone who seeks after that deep mind of God on different issues, without necessarily even any sort of rewards or punishments in this, per, in, this, in this life that we live for what we choose to do. Just doing it before God because we love him, because we're grateful for our salvation, because we want to please him. You know, it's not about uh, getting something from God or, or earning our salvation. It's just because we love him, we trust him, and we want to believe him. This week we read in Hebrews 11, and uh, Paul's going to put the scripture up on the screen. And this is a passage about people that followed God uh, in, in the book of Genesis, which we just finished up. And John Sober pointed out that it's always been by faith uh, that, that God's people have walked, faith in, in God's salvation. The Old Testament people look towards Jesus, we look back to Jesus for that same salvation. Um, faith in God's provision for situational needs that we have, and faith in God's word and God's ways, uh, putting our trust in him and following him. And there's never been a difference in how we have this relationship with God. It's always been through faith from the Old Testament to the New. So reading in Hebrews 11, thinking about, thinking about faith. Now faith is, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. It's something we receive through faith, that God is the creator. And then the sub-thought uh, to that is we are the creation. God is, is author has authority over us. Um, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. That's an amazing thought, that the legacy of someone who has faith in all the ways we talked about in this sermon so far lives far beyond their death. It lives in the children that they have and the people that they influence. Faith lives on even after a person is dead. Think about that. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Enoch was someone who was very faithful to God in all the ways we've talked about, believing in God's thoughts on morality, believing in God's thoughts on many different issues, and trying to follow God and understand God in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. And he lived at a time when a very wicked time in human history, and God saw this man who wanted to please him, and God took him. He didn't, he didn't even face death. He was just taken away. Verse 7, by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, the flood, 
in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children, because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Here's a guy, Abraham had no Christianity, no God in his life up to this point, and God comes to him in the land of Ur and says, go to the land I will show you. No destination, just follow me, have faith, trust me. And Abraham obeys. And Sarah and Abraham believe in God's provision of, of a descendant, and God provides Isaac. And through Isaac, all these descendants. Verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they died. If faith is the substance of things you hope for and the certainty of things you do not see, what this means is, when these people died, they were still believing for things they hadn't received yet. They did not receive the things promised. Not all of them. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. They admitted that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have, op- they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasure of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after an army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. 
Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They were about in sheepskin. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. After reading that section, do you have faith? Do you have a faith like this? Believing in what you hope for, certain of what you do not see, pressing in to know the mind and will of God because you love him, you want to please him, believing in God fully for the gift of your salvation uh, through faith and trusting God to provide for you in your everyday. All of that is in this story. So the question that was really on my mind as I was, as I was cleaning up after my kids this week and all the stuff that was happening, you know, what evidence of faith is in my life as a person? And that's why I would ask you. In what concrete ways can you think of do you express your faith in God in your life from day to day? Are you someone that wants to know God's thoughts on things so that you can put yourself in line with God? Are you trusting God for a provision that you can't make for yourself or for someone else? Do you give and fast and care for the poor in secret, just, just before God? That's what the Bible talks about, doing the things before God. Do you, do you wake up in the morning and spend time praying because you believe that your Father who is unseen will reward you for that, for that time spent in prayer. Again, you're not earning anything, but God sees what you're doing and God will reward you. What, kind, what does your faith look like? Do you have faith? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's harder than ever uh, in, in, in this culture where we, we talk about first world problems. Uh, that's pretty much a lot of us have first world problems where most things are taken care of. We don't really have a need to trust in God for much sometimes. But do you trust uh, in God as your provider? Do you trust in God as your healer? Do you trust in, in God as your sustainer and your creator? So as the worship band comes forward, I just want you to ask that question as we, as we ponder this. You know, what does faith look like in my life? Number one, do I have faith? Do I really believe that I am saved from my sins and my helpless state through the blood of Jesus Christ, and that it's not of myself, it's a gift of God? Do I really have faith in that provision of God for me? That's foundational. Do I trust God with my day-to-day -day life, with the needs that I encounter and the anxieties I have? Do I trust God for that? And finally, do I care to know what God would have me do? Am I seeking the will of God as revealed in the scriptures and as confirmed by the Holy Spirit's promptings and even uh, guidance within us? Am I, follow, am I seeking God to know his mind and fall into line with him like Enoch in the midst of a generation that is not seeking after God? And have I been faithful to listen to the way the Holy Spirit has spoken to me internally and guided me, given me words and said, you need to walk in this way. Have I been faithful to do that? The only audience we really have is God. And the God of grace, when he sees what is done in secret, he rewards us. 
Let's uh, come to the, the Lord of glory and worship him for who he is as we consider these things together. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would increase our faith in Jesus' name, that we would have a greater uh, faith, Lord, both in your provision for us in salvation, in your provision for us in our day-to-day lives, in our trust in your word that what you say is true and your ways are higher than our ways. And I pray that we become a people who love you to a greater extent with all of our hearts, our souls, our mind, and our strength, that we love other people deeply with the same love and gift of grace you've given to us. Uh, Father, we are humbled and we are also grateful uh, for your love and salvation you've poured on our lives. I want to bless your people, God, in the name of Jesus Christ. They would be a people whose faith is increased even this week, who trust you, who walk with you, and who please you. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You are dispersed. Go and be the church.